Hello and welcome to the Anfield Index podcast. So the dream is over, but there's so much to talk about. Back in the Champions League again, two points off Manchester City and second place. It's been an incredible, mad, heartbreaking, wonderful, hopeful season. It's been a mad, mad season. So to discuss all this and more, we have Dave Hendrick. He is back with a bang and gags tandem as well. But first off, we want to just clarify something. Yesterday, we had a little event at the Harry Pub in Liverpool. Gags, it never quite went to plan as we hoped, did it? Firstly, I just want to apologise for, for yesterday's event, for all those that turned up. Really, we, we were told by the staff that the, the pub's always empty before the game. And yesterday, the pub was absolutely rammed. Absolutely rammed. And it, no doubt it was because of the day trippers and ourselves plugging the event so much. And what transpired after that was a bit of a shambles, to be honest. And, and I just want to say that uh, we want to apologise from our, you know, on a, on behalf of ourselves and the day trippers, that we couldn't provide any live show, we couldn't provide um, the live commentary, we couldn't provide the live podcast that the day trippers had planned, which was going to be, you know, a, such a good laugh. Unfortunately, what happened was a few, a few, the truth wasn't told basically, and we couldn't get this, the equipment set up that the day trippers had brought across. Finally, working they worked really hard, Phil and Trev, credit to them, worked really hard to get something working, to get at least a live show though. We couldn't record, but we could at least give a live show to the guys that were there. And um, as soon as the TV was switched on, we realised that it was pretty much a stream rather than a TV channel. And that they hadn't even checked their channel beforehand, whether it was on Sky Sports 1 or Sky Sports 2. And their Sky Sports 2 channels were horrific, pausing every couple of seconds. Poor James Owens and Jim Fish had no chance of commentating on that. So it was a little bit of a letdown. We, you know, the guys, everybody was upset. We couldn't do much about it. But what transpired afterwards was we had a really good time. Everybody, all those that turned up and 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 really were, were kind with their words to us, to me, to John, to the day trippers. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Really, really, you know, it meant a lot. Um, you know, we're going to work harder. We're going to try and provide a better service. We'll keep, we'll keep continuing to do that. So thank you very much. Apologies again. It was just out of our control, really. It's out of our control. Yeah, I just want to say as well, from my point of view, there were so many nice people who, who came and said a lot of nice things about the podcast. And for us, you know, we don't really do events. We've never really done them in the past. But for us, it was really nice people coming up to, to talk about the good work. So as ever, we want to hear your suggestions. We want to hear everything that you guys want to talk about as well, because ultimately it's your show. We do it for you. So, you know, come at us, tell us anything, be be harsh, be nice, be whatever. But it was just fantastic to see those who kind of made the effort to be there yesterday. So Not, not to be a negative prick, but can I just say that the service was awful as well at the King Harry. There's guys there that weren't drinking, who were driving, who wanted to drink Diet Coke. After two minutes, the Diet Coke was finished. You know, there was people wanting to drink certain shots of certain, you know, liquor. That that ran out after an hour. I mean, it, yeah, what, what beer, is that? What is... Out. The beer ran out. Phil wanted a Heineken. I went to get him a Heineken. That wasn't on. It was like, well, what are you doing? Well, what is the point? You know people are coming today. You know and, that? And that's the thing. But and, at, the, at the end of the day, you know what... what I think one of the things that we, we sort of talked about yesterday, and there's nothing been announced yet or, or really discussed in detail, but it has kind of made us hungrier to kind of do bigger and better the next time. So um, hopefully next season we'll have some more of these things to bring you guys. And, and we will be sure we've learnt from this sort of 
this kind of crazy experience. And I tell you what, even though it was shit, and even though that the, the we, Harry was shit, the, yeah, the people the, weren't. The people were fantastic. People were awesome. The atmosphere was was excellent. You know, we we got the place absolutely bouncing, and and, and there'll be videos up on YouTube and all that type of stuff. I even took videos, but then my phone died. <laughs> A reason so um yeah. no it was loud it was bloody loud at times and so. people would ju- we would how many times were we jumping around mate and and hugging each other everybody was hugging yeah. each other and running around it was it was good and even though we knew pretty much you know 20 30 minutes in that city had scored it was still everybody was still ju- singing and jumping around and having a good yeah. time and uh, it was positive you know it was positive I think that's true of Liverpool as well. Everything, everyone that I spoke to, all the videos that we've seen late last night in Liverpool, there was huge parties because I think most most people feel that their club is back now. That Liverpool are, are sort of back where they belong, challenging, back in the Champions League, back, you know, competing right at the very top of kind of English and hopefully next season European football. So. You know, it was a superb, superb day. So we've kind of got to talk about something. Oh, in fact, before we move on, I do want to apologise to Ryan McTrippy's mother because at one point I got so carried away when we scored the second goal that I jumped on Ryan McTrippy's back and it looked like I was dry humping him. So Mrs McTrippy, <laughs> I'm so sorry because she looked, I didn't even know that she was there and, and she turned around and she says, what are you doing to my son? So I do want to apologise to you, Mrs McTrippy. <laughs> So Dave, we're going to talk about Newcastle. Without trying to sound too analytical here, it felt as if we were we felt the game was over before it was actually over. The first half was incredibly flat. Completely flat, John. I, I honestly think the last two games just took it out of everybody. The only ones who really, like, like Jordan Henderson looked like he could run for days, but the rest of them just had a bit of an air that it's over. We can't win the league now. So, you know, just, there's nothing really to play for. Second and third in the league is more or less the same thing. It gets you the same thing. It gets you into the group stage of the Champions League. And that was seemed to be the attitude in the first half. It was it was a bit disappointing to see, but it was completely understandable. Um, I mean the, the Palace game must have must have just killed the players because, you know, the Palace was heartbreaking and you know, I think it, it just carried over into Newcastle and the, the first half was just a reflection of, of the effort that's gone in. The, the players had nothing left to give. I mean, if you look at it realistically, we've probably got, what, 14 players who have featured heavily this year. So, you know, it's it's a threadbare squad and pretty much everybody has run their legs off. So, you know, it was, it was under, understandable, I, I thought. Guys, coming to you, the, the, the interesting thing for me was is how much adrenaline has obviously carried this team up until the, the the kind of the start of the Newcastle game, I mean, whilst it was flat, I thought we were clearly the better side, and I think it, what's happened in the last few games is whilst we have been the better side, it's just sometimes we have just just haven't seemed I don't know as as maybe switched on as we could be. Would you agree with that sentiment? I don't know. I don't think that we were the better side in the first half. I don't. I mean, they had we, we were probably the better side with the ball, but we didn't create anything. We weren't creating anything. It was, it was really, really flat. You know, the two goals we scored were both set pieces, also. So it it, it wasn't the same Liverpool. You know, we weren't getting in behind them. They were, they were like you said, they played like they played pretty much like a shit Chelsea. They 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 just put up men behind the ball and they 
they cut us open a few times. I mean, the one where Minnelli had to make the save, that was horrendous defending, wasn't it? But this is, this is it. It was so flat because because of the two the two previous games, like Dave said. There was an article in the Times, I think, last week. I spoke about it last week as well, when, when Tony Barrett spoke to Dr. Steve Peters and said, basically, it was when, when they when they analysed the players afterwards, it was the, the words that, Peters were coming out was coming out with or or qualifying them with was like grief you know that they'd gone through like you know a close family death or something it was it was that bad imagine and you saw that raw emotion at Palace with Suarez crying imagine then what it was like after that game and then you saw the pictures of the dinner with Liverpool Player Awards and yeah. you saw the picture outside and you saw see all their faces you know it was, a, it was a happy day but it can't be a happy day because it's a day after the Palace game and the faces, my goodness, they, they, they looked like, you know, someone had died. It was it was so bad. It was you could tell the grief in the place. So if you if you go through a high of eleven games in a row, nothing can stop you, and then something happens and you lose and it's a mistake or it's a miscontrol, whatever you want to call it, and it's to to Gerard, you know, it's horrible, it's horrible situation, and then you're just flat. You just go flat. And I thought we bounced back well for 78 minutes against Palace. And we were doing well. As soon as that first goal went in, they kind of gave up. They kind of thought, right, we can't even do the goal difference here now. Whereas they started having hopes of of maybe catching something, which they would never have done. If you look back, you know, a City scored six goals in the last three, two games. It would have been impossible to get that to get that back. So overall, you, you look at it and you say, we, we really need to win 13, draw one. And we we just couldn't do it at the end. It was it's a lot to ask of any side, especially a, a squad like ours. We were very close. We should be very proud of it. And I think um, I'm I I was I was very upset when I saw City celebrating yesterday on, on the on the screen on the, on that stream of a screen. <laughs> but and I mean, my heart sank for a few minutes when I saw that. But afterwards, I was very proud, very proud of the club, very proud of the team, very proud of how this this 2014 especially has gone. It's been um, it's been brilliant to watch. We've played some amazing football. I think the best football in the league, and we were in the end the second best team in the league. But so much to be proud of, John. So much to be proud of. I think that's the interesting point about this season is um, like yesterday, like driving back, it was easy to sort of get carried away in the pub, you know, like in in the Harry. I was sort of buzzing, you know, because the atmosphere was so good despite the event and. One of the things that you sort of felt was that, you know, that we had actually achieved something. And I was driving back with Jim Fishlock, who most of you should know, who's been a sort of regular contributor in here. And he's also become a really fine writer as of late. And we were talking about it and we, we actually met a couple of City fans in the services, you know, who were sort of kind of singing about us and whatever. And, we, and the two of us just felt gutted. I couldn't go on Twitter. I couldn't look at any of the pictures on Sky Sports. And even today, looking at the title parade, I have felt absolutely gutted and 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 for me the interesting point is is that you know I, I was saying to Jim is, is it whilst I do feel gutted that we haven't won the league I feel great that I can feel gutted about football again I feel great that I can believe it was interesting um, looking at Stephen Gerrard's comments yesterday uh, maybe just read these, read these out because I think they're kind of vital in terms of trying to understand where the fans are he said you know to come so close and then to fall away so late is difficult to take but on the other hand, I'm proud of what the lads have achieved and what we've set out to achieve weeks and weeks ago. It's not doom and gloom. Champions League football is back. It's taken me until 33 to experience a proper title race. 
what this is going to do for the young squad is going to take them to the title. Whether it's next year or the year after, it will happen pretty soon. That's what I believe, because the talent in the squad is there. I thought my days of title races were gone. I honestly have to admit that, that I thought they were gone. But having enjoyed and played this, with this group of players this year, it's back. The dream is back. Although I've only got a couple of years left, maybe, I can still believe I can get there. I never give up a fight. I thought I'd never be able to say that I'm really confident. But now I really believe that the title is not too far away from here. And and that hearing that from kind of Steven Gerrard, that I think one of the things that's frustrated me as a Liverpool supporter is that, I don't know, when we used to have Carragher and Gerrard, like last season, both of them used to come out and say publicly, yeah, we're never going to win the title whilst we are still playing. But now to have Gerrard come out and say that, it does give you belief. And Dave, I'd like your own thoughts on, in terms of, is it going to be doom and gloom? Uh, is this just a kind of fluky season or can this squad really go on and step it up a gear? If you look at the, the, the kind of league table, you know, we're, it's kind of 13 goals difference in terms of us between Manchester City, one goal behind them in terms of goals for. Surely there's not much improvement really needed in order to put on a, a proper title race. I think there's a bit of improvement needed, but it can be done in the summer. If we get the summer right, we can definitely challenge again. Gerard's comments were, you know, were quite strong and heartfelt and, and you really had to feel for him. But I mean, you have to look at what he said. It, it's the first time in his career that he's been in a proper title race. This is the first time we've gone into the last game with a chance of winning the league since the last time we won the league. And that's quite an insane thing to think about, you know, because people go on about away 9 and all that. But we we didn't have a chance of winning the title going into the final day. The Gerrard at Liverpool thing kind of reminds me of United and Brian Robson, where he never won a title while he was, you know, their best player, etc., etc. And then they came second to Leeds, and then they won the title the next year. Now, he, he was on the bench for, for the, the two titles that he was part of. And it just, like, they went, what, they went 26 years without a title. We're now 24 they're just there's so many parallels to draw there. You know, Gerard as a young player was always compared to Brian Robson. You know that midfielder who can do it all, and you know he's all action and great player, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, it's it just because it's taken him to 33 to get into one title race doesn't mean it's going to take him, you know, years to get through another one. It is possible if we get the summer right that we can be in the title race next season. And I think we can, but we have to get the summer right. Um, certain players need to go. Quality players need to come in. We need to expand the squad. The Champions League will be great, but it will make it tougher. So it's going to be a balancing act for Rodgers. Rodgers is going to have to, to continue to improve himself. You know, and I, like just looking at it, I, I, I'm kind of glad now that we drew with Palace and didn't end up losing the title and goal difference. I think that would have been harder to take. I, you know, when you see the, you know, as Gags called, the, the raw emotion of Suarez after the Palace game, like they knew there and then that the title was gone. But realistically, you know, even going into the final day, we would have needed to absolutely annihilate Newcastle. You know, we would have needed to beat them at 10, 11 nil. And, they, you know, you have to be honest, that wasn't going to happen. It's, as bad as they've been, especially when they came and parked the bus as they did with, with five five defenders and two defensive midfielders. Which Pardew is just he's just a prick, isn't he? Like 
you can tell he wants to be Mourinho, that guy. It's, you know, just this season, it's disappointing how it ended because of, of the run we went on. But any of us would have taken this at the start of the season. There's nobody that would, wouldn't have taken it. It's been a great season. It's been it's been fun. And as you said, John, it's nice to be good about football again. It's nice to actually care, not have the season end in March, you know, when you're when you're seventh and you can't make the Champions League and then you're kind of wondering, oh, well, do we want to get into Europa League? Don't we want to get into Europa League? I mean, we've all laughed quite heartily at Man United and rightfully so, but, you know, because they're going through what we're going through. That's why we're in a position to laugh at them. We know what they're going through now and it's horrible. It's horrible to have your season end that early. But, you know, now I think we're back in a position where our season will be an actual season, not just parts of it. I think that's a great thing, you know. Like we, it was interesting, that parallel that you drew with Manchester United and what we're going through. And I know we've taken the piss out of United, so we'll continue the, this season's theme. <laughs> I think yesterday, uh, the official Manchester United account, who I don't follow, but it got retweeted onto my timeline, tweeted out, today's draw means um, Man United finished the season seventh spot on 64 points. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the comments from their fans were like, No, why? They're like, fucking awful, I'm going to go and support City. Um, That's the first one. I'm not making that. You go and have a look at this, it's brilliant. And then other people say, please don't tweet this. Someone goes, no shit. And then other people are going, no Europa League, woohoo. uh, Other people have quoted the tweet and just made funny faces. Um, Lots of Liverpool fans having a great laugh at this, understandably. Um, The same person who was like, why are you tweeting this, is saying, can we just announce Van Gaal? We we hadn't planned to talk about this, but, you know, at the end of the day, technically, we have come into Man United spot because they're the only one out of the last year's top four who are not in there. And I know it's not, you know, we haven't... They've not really competed with us this season, but we've taken their place in that top four. Lewis Van Gaal, Manchester United, Dave, is this something we really, really need to worry about next season? No Europa League as well. I'm sort of concerned they've not got the Europa, but I'd be interested in your point. I wish they had the Europa League. I'd be a lot more confident in them not getting back in if they had the Europa League, because that Thursday-Sunday thing is an absolute killer. Um, especially because you end up having to go to like you know footballing back wars in Eastern Europe and stuff like that. <clears throat> I've been thinking about the Van Gaal, Van Gaal thing, and first when when I first heard that he was going to go there, I thought you know that's that's a big appointment because you know he he is he's one of the great managers. He's probably top fifteen maybe of all time. Um, he's had tremendous success and he's won a lot of trophies. But then the more I started thinking about it, the more I realised I I actually don't think it's a good appointment at all because he's got no track record of going to a big club and rebuilding them and whether they want to accept it or not, they need to be rebuilt. He's got no track record of having control of transfers at a big club because at Barcelona and Bayern, the the coach has absolutely no say. Pep Guardiola is actually... The only coach ever to have a say in transfers at, at Bayern and um, I think Pep and Cruyff were the only ones to have any say at Barca and they were t- control was taken off Pep eventually so you know Van Gaal hasn't experienced that he's done it at Ajax and at Alkmaar but at Ajax he was much much younger he had much more time 
he's only going to be at United two or three years. You know, he's a short-term appointment. He's not going to be there for the next eight, nine years. He does, he, and he can't afford a slow rebuild. They need to get back in the Champions League. So that's why the, you see them throwing a load of money stupidly, you know, in for Luke Shaw. That's, that's just panic central. I, I don't think it's a good appointment. I think he would have been ideal for Spurs because I think Spurs with one or two additions are right on the cusp of getting in the top four. And maybe if they added three really good players, they could challenge for the title. But I, I, I don't think he's a good fit. I think Pochettino or Frank De Boer or, Remy Gar- or Rudy Garcia would have been the ideal appointments for United. I'm glad they haven't gone that way. Like, look at it this way. What's going to happen when Rooney strolls in for the first day of pre-season and he's two stone overweight and Van Hal starts screaming at him? Like, that's a fallout waiting to happen, you know? And then they're going to be dependent on Robin Van Persie. Robin Van Persie quit on the team this year, pretended he was injured, you know, took, what, two months off and then amazingly was fit as soon as Moyes was out the door. You know, there's major issues at United and... I just don't think Van Hal is the man because I think he's too confrontational. I think he's too arrogant. And I think he's a little too long in the tooth to, to do what they need doing. So, no, I'm not worried about them, to be honest. They'll sign some players. You know, they're going to sign Luke Shaw. And if I can just veer onto Luke Shaw for a sec. Someone said to me, it's 15 million. It's a great investment because they'll have him for 15 years. It's not, 50, it's not 30 million, though. That's not what they're paying. They're paying 30 million to buy him. Then they're going to give him 100 grand a week for five years. That's 25 million. That'll take him to when he's 23. Then he'll get another contract. Even if he barely improves, he'll get a pay rise. That could be 30 million over five years. And then he'll get another pay rise. Over the course of 15 years, you're looking at 120 million investment to him. The minimum investment is going to be 55 million. There's absolutely no guarantees he's going to become anything more than just a good player and left back's not a premium position so I just I just think they wreak really panic at them and I don't think anyone at the club knows what they're doing all the brains went when Ferguson left and apparently Van Gaal has said Ferguson's to have no input if he arrives so you know there's an argument waiting to happen and there's something for the fans to whinge about and just <laughs> on their fans they're all tweeting the Liverpool fans saying you know Bebe has a Premier League medal and Gerrard doesn't, first of all, maybe doesn't have a Premier League medal because he made like three appearances. Second of all, Phil Neal has more FA or more European Cups than the entire club of Manchester United. And Jimmy Traore has won more Champions Leagues than Eric Cantona. So keep your shitty tweets, lads. You're, you're quite pathetic. <laughs> Oh, superb. I mean, um, it is an interesting kind of paradox, Gags, with Man United. It is the the thing to say, you know, is this their time to, to, to go back and, and to rebuild and how long will it take them to rebuild? Do, are you worried about United next season or or do you think that um, that actually, that you know, they're, they're going to sink a little bit further before they come back? I don't give a shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't care about United. I am so much more worried about other things like signing Lalana for the wrong amount of money. And I'm, I'm honestly, I, I have not thought about Manchester United. I do not want to think about Man United. I just think they, um, that whatever happens with them, that it, 
they, they finished seventh this year. They've got a lot of rebuilding to do. You look at that, that squad, it's falling apart. There's players leaving left, right and centre, old age players, but that means it's a total rebuild. It's a total rebuild. And when it's a total rebuild, you don't see that come you know, you don't see that work immediately. So it's gonna be a, a year or so again, unless Van Garley works some magic. But like Dave said, even that's a risk and even that's not guaranteed, you know, success. So, I, I don't honestly, I don't really care. I, I think they're they're not who I'm worried about. You look at you look at Chelsea, mooting to mooted to sign Costa today for 32 million. Uh, Manchester City will follow it up. Arsenal will follow it up. They've got they've got so much money. Arsenal, I cannot see them making a mistake again. So th- those are the teams that I'm going to be worried about rather than than United really. And we've got to worry about ourselves also. We've got to really do the right business this summer. That's. That's a great point, Gags. I mean, United can improve, and they will improve. I mean, they'll probably, they, they couldn't get much worse. But at the same time, we're not going to go backwards. We're going to go forwards. City are going to get better. Chelsea are going to get better to sign Diego Costa. Arsenal are going to get better. So United don't just have to catch up the gap that's there now. They have to catch up the gap that's going to be there, and you know that's going to be pretty huge. Yeah, it's an interesting one, Gags. You said the players are sort of leaving left, right and centre. So already Nemanja Vidic has gone. And now, obviously, um, it's been mooted all day, but uh, Rio Ferdinand's officially confirmed that he's gone over the summer as well. And to me, there's clearly a point that, that does draw parallels with, with the Liverpool of old. And what he said is, um, you know, circumstances didn't allow me to say the way, uh, to say, sorry, to say goodbye the way I would have liked to. But I'd like to take this opportunity and yada, yada, yada to say after 12 unbelievable years, he's feeling fit and healthy. So he clearly wants to stay. And the interesting thing about a, a kind of an older United is I think Ferguson would have found a way for him to stay. And Ferguson would have kind of moved him on or got him to retire. But clearly, I think without Ferguson, they almost, Dave, look like a kind of a ship without a rudder. Yeah, very much so. And if you, you look at it, right, Vidic is gone. That's their captain. That's their leader. He's gone. Ferdinand is gone. He's he's a leader. He's been there twelve years. He's won everything. He's been great for them. Everett could well go if Luke Shaw arrives. I, I can't imagine Everett staying. So that's your that's your leadership gone. Where's you know? There's no experience left. You've got Michael Carrick, who's a choir boy and doesn't open his mouth. You know, United have always had you know a leader who gets in people's face, and screams at them. They had Robson. They had Paul Ince. They had Roy Keane, Yapstam, Peter Schmeichel, and Vidic. And now they're all gone. And, you know, who's who's going to be the captain? Rooney? Really? Like, are you kidding me? The guy has no leadership ability at all. So I, I, think, there's a, I think there's bigger problems there than people realise. And the funniest thing about it is, you know, you see United fans whinging about how much they're going to have to pay to replace the likes of Rio and to get Luke Shaw and whinging about City and whinging about Chelsea distorting the market. The club who distorted the transfer market was Man United when they paid £30 million for Rio Ferdinand, £30 million for Wayne Rooney, massive money for Berbatov and all these other players. United were smashing transfer records, you know, back in the 80s as well, Neil Webb and people like that. So... You know, it, their time has come, I think. I, I think it is time for them. There's a thing, there is a paradox for them, though. There's a, they're in an awkward position where what they need is a rebuild, but they can't afford a rebuild because if they miss the Champions League financially, they could be screwed. So it's, it's 
you know, they're stuck between a rock and a hard place and there's there's a couple of possible outcomes and most of them aren't very good for for Manchester United as a football club, which is a good thing for us. And just lean on to us, we talked about rebuilds and it's interesting because we, we've done this season, we, we had a little chat before the podcast and one of the kind of themes that came up was we've achieved what we've achieved this season with sort of two new starting players, i.e. Simon Mignoli and uh, Mamadou Sacco. And uh, Gags, yesterday when, when Daniel Agar uh, came back in for the last game of the season, it sort of felt like that was a, a kind of goodbye Daniel Agar moment. What did you think? Yeah, you, the first thing you think is that because because Sacco, I don't think he deserved to go off with. I, don't, I, I wouldn't have put any of the goals against Palace to Sacco. You know, I think they were mostly down to Johnson and the one with the chest down and Skittle come out, there was nothing else Skittle could really do. There was no covering midfielder, you know, there to help him or anything like that. So 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 basically it was a surprise. I know when we when we read out the team yesterday uh, at the Harry, the King Harry, there was a there was a bit of a gasp when they said Aga we were like, What? Really? Aga's playing? And we thought if Aga was gonna play it was <laughs> it was gonna be more likely shifting Flanagan to the right and, and, and Johnson dropping out and then Aga left back would have been would have been what we probably would have done. Again, you know, we don't second guess the manager because he's got so much, so many things right. The second half of this season and and provided us with, with so you know, so much entertainment. Really, it's been brilliant. But yeah, that's all you can point at. Really, personally, that 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 is the thing. Is it a farewell? And and if Laurie's coming back and he's he's done really well, then then you know that that. It was a good fit. It was a nice touch from the manager. Actually, very classy. If that is the case, and that does happen, it's a very classy thing to do. It was noticeable as well that he didn't really celebrate his goal. I mean, that could be two things. That could be the situation. Then you know, knowing the title was gone, but it just seemed like he was a little bit embarrassed by the whole thing. And it does look like he's gone, and it's a shame. Personally, I'd, I'd much rather keep him than Skirtle. But you know, Sacco and Agar can't play together. And, it, you know, if they could, they would have. Agra's never played right side in his life. And if Sacco could play right side, he'd be at PSG playing next to Thiago Silva rather than playing for us. So Agra's not going to stay and be a sub for the next couple of years. He's probably got two or three more years left at the top. And he'll want to play and he'll want to win trophies and stuff. So, you know, he's the one guy that I don't begrudge a move um, because he actually... We we hear a lot about oh this player was loyal and that player was loyal. Agar actually has turned down big moves in the past, you know, like Barcelona, Man City, things like that. Not mythical moves to Arsenal and stuff, and for you know much smaller wages. So you know it's a shame to see him go, but if he does go, you know we'll we'll thank him for his time. I hope he does well at the next club. It's an interesting one. I mean, I mean, obviously, so that's Daniel Agar, and I think the consensus is all season that potentially he may so that this may be his last one given the arrival of Sacco but I was speaking to Kosha Vias earlier on and she was actually at Anfield and inside the ground and she was saying that potentially as well that the fan it looked as if though yesterday a lot of the fans and this is certainly the impression in the Harry but a lot of the fans have turned against Glenn Johnson and given these season gags it sort of feels like potentially that may have been a goodbye Glenn Johnson moment as well yeah, <laughs> Johnson. My God, there's been some debate about Johnson this season from some people, and I don't understand it. It's so clear. It's unbelievable how how he's played. Um, 
respect to him because he's a, he's a Liverpool player. We love all Liverpool players, but what we try and do is we, we, we try and be objective on this podcast with how they've played. And unfortunately, Glenn Johnson, as much as we respect him and love him, even because a lot of people have been saying to me, you don't respect the players, you just... Um, we do. We're just being objective and saying they haven't been good enough this season. And um, Glenn Johnson is one of the ones that hasn't been good enough this season. The fact that He's the senior of the fullbacks, and he should really be playing left back and letting Flanagan play right back. And it's actually the young man who's covering for him and playing left back tells you um, which which player has been more reliable this season. And that's you know Flanagan at the start of the season was wasn't wasn't anywhere near the picture of our fullbacks to be honest. So yeah, it, it tells that tells you everything, John. That tells you everything, I think. And and and, and poor Glenn, I, I I do feel sorry for him. He's not what he was, and he had a he had a he had a decent first half at Palace and then it went to pot absolutely and that kind of told his season really although actually he probably didn't have a good start he did maybe maybe he did actually the first couple of games until he got injured he was probably okay but that was only two games remember just two and then after that it's been not the same and it's not been the same for a couple of years I think and probably known also about his contract talks and stuff like I think Dave's alluded to earlier in the season that's not helped so he's one of the high earners in in the squad he's definitely not earn he's not worth it at the moment so that 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 that's the kind of thing you get a young guy in a young hungry right back in and it's 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 much better and wisdom coming back to cover I'd be happy with that and unfortunately, I think the time the time this summer, he's he's probably one of the first names that you put down above the rest. I mean, even even before, I mean, Aga, and 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 the and I I wouldn't personally sell him uh, Aga. It would just be it's all about FFP, and then obviously we've got a left sided central defender, young one coming back that was on loan, so to to back up Sacco, so. Uh, that would that would point to Aga going, but then with Johnson, he would be my first. Sorry, Laurie's a right right sided centre back. Okay, so then basically Aga and Sacco, if we didn't get another left sided centre back in, then then they'd both stay. But it all depends on who we buy. In terms of Johnson, it, it's the first name out for me. It's the first name out. Yeah, I, I'm the exact same. I I drive him to his nearest club, um, just to get rid of him. To be honest, um, I just. To go in on, on Agar Gags, I think that could be why we're looking at that uh, Rojo kid from from Sporting Lisbon. He can play left back or left sided centre back. He could, he could come in as first choice backup for both those positions. Johnson has been absolutely abysmal, and there's no getting away from it. I don't want to hear excuses. I don't want to hear that he's been injured. I don't want to hear any of it. He's just been abysmal. He hasn't cared. He hasn't tried. I'm calling him out as a fraud. He's been taking 120 grand a week from the club. Don't tweet me and tell me that I shouldn't say it. Just because he plays for Liverpool doesn't mean he deserves respect. He has to earn it. He hasn't earned it this year. As much as I don't rate Lucas as a player, Lucas earns my respect each and every week because he goes out and he gives us all. Glenn Johnson doesn't. And if we look at the Palace game, it it doesn't just define his, his season. It defines his time at Liverpool. Abject disappointment. 17 million, 120 grand a week for mediocrity. Not having it, don't care. I want him gone this summer. He's the first one on the list to go for me. He should have been gone last summer and he's been here too long. He should never have been bought in the first place. We had a better right back in Arbeloa. Arbeloa is still a better right back now. Um, we could have done so much better. So, Glenn Johnson, 
best of luck to you, buddy. Hope you enjoy playing for some mediocre club next year because that's where you belong. And like I said, don't tweet me and tell me anything because I'm just not going to listen. It's an interesting one. I mean, I, I agree. I, I think Johnson. <laughs> I'm not going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm sick of telling people. I'm sick of telling people. I've been telling people for a year how poor he's been. Nobody wanted to listen. You've said it, it from the start. Him. You have said it from the start. Yeah, it, took, it took him throwing away the game of Palace for, for anybody to kind of finally realise how poor he's been. Glenn Johnson doesn't play well unless we absolutely annihilate teams. He did have a good about 10 minute spell against Palace where he did lots of overlapping because we were on top in the game. Once they came back into the game, he crumbled away because he's got no heart and he doesn't care. So I'm, I'm done with him. I've had enough. One of the angles I wanted to come in on is um, we're going to have, what, a minimum probably next season, including Champions League football, of 50 games, probably slightly more if we do it. Uh, better in our cup competitions, which I kind of think we've got, got to do better next year. One of the interesting points, Gags, you made earlier was around FFP. So this year, Liverpool will earn about £99 million in prize money for finishing where they did in terms of the Premier League. Wow. That comes from two sources. So they've got £22.8 million for finishing second, and that's from the Premier League. And then they've got £77 million from TV revenue. Um, now, all these fuckers that keep saying we're not a big club, listen to the next part. That total amount is more than £1 million more than Manchester City. And the reason is, is because Liverpool have a higher share of TV revenue. It's because we've got more live games and we've also got a bigger kind of global viewing. I think Manchester United and Liverpool is, a, is one of the biggest games in global sports. I think 580 million viewers uh, worldwide. Um, that That's much more than El Clasico by about £300 million. And so what Liverpool received last season, back to the point around FFP, as um, Liverpool received TV revenue of £54.8 million. I think that's the total amount that we received in terms of prize money and revenue. And Manchester United only won £60 million. So if you consider what we have kind of lost last year, I think the, the losses last year were £50 million. We've almost, just by finishing where we've finished, sort of wiped off our losses from last year. Now, that's not how accountants work. And I know all the guys who follow me who are accountants, I know they'll come in and clarify this. But if you can overturn a deficit and earn nearly £50 million more than than what you did the last time round, plus signed deals with Dunkin' Donuts, new and improved deals with kind of uh, Vauxhall, the other stuff with Subway, all the um, Garuda airline stuff as well, um, plus having all these enhanced deals, the Standard Charter deal being renewed this year for you know a, a reported ninety million over the term, all of these things together take the the pressure off us in terms of FFP, which has always been the big big thing. So in the context of those games that we're going to have to play next season, Dave, who who could we we say who could we maybe reevaluate and say, do you know what? You're maybe on a high wage, but actually we're maybe, maybe going to need you this year. Johnson, I think we're all agreed because he's gone. You know, he's never played very, very well. But is there an argument to say, do you know what, bringing someone young and hungry or start them and see how he turns out? Is it maybe the lack of competition in that position that's driving him to play or does he just not care? I've, I've, I've said my piece on Glenn Johnson and it's my one rant for the week. I'm trying to stay positive this week. I promised everybody I'd be nice. I think he's... Of the big earners, I think him and Lucas are the two that really should go. And with Lucas, I just I just think he's finished. I just think he's done because of the injuries. He wasn't 
quick to begin with and now he's just painfully slow. He's on a big wage and he'll get exposed in Europe. He, he got exposed in, in the Europa League. He'll get murdered in the Champions League. Johnson just needs to go wherever he goes, I don't care. I think as the, the things you've spoken about there, John, the, the, the ability to turn over our loss, that could be a reason to keep Agar maybe. Keep Agar and Skirtle as, as backup centre-backs if, if we can you know, get a good right-sided centre-back in. Someone like a Benacia from, from Roma would be ideal. I'd happily stick with them a right back and just, you know, maybe buy someone like Sam Byron from Leeds for about six million and have them to compete and develop side by side. I think we'd, we'd end up with two really good right backs. Just on, on the deals you mentioned as well, John, the Dunkin' Donuts one, the Subway, Vauxhall, that, that airline, I can't think of the name. Um, now, I'm by no means in the know or any of that. I know some people who know some people and I speak to a lot of people and, you know, I listen when I'm told things. But what I'm led to believe is that all of those deals have two separate amounts in the contracts. One is if we're in the Champions League, one is if we're out at like a CL booster. So all of those will kick in at the higher amount this summer, which, you know, could be untold extra millions. Um, as far as I know, our Warrior deal and our Standard Charter deal contain the same kind of boosters. So, you know, our commercial revenue, even without signing any more deals, is going to grow simply by being in the Champions League. That's a huge thing for us. And, you know, as you mentioned, if you look at the you know, the global pull of the club, I mean, I'm, I'm in Cambodia now. I walk around, I see Liverpool jerseys. You don't see Chelsea. You don't see Arsenal. I did see one kid in a Spurs jersey, but he didn't look like he knew what he was wearing. It looked like someone had just given it to him. So, uh, you know, I won't, I won't criticise him too much, the poor lad. But um, <clears throat> you see Liverpool jerseys and you see you do see United jerseys. You don't see anybody else out here anyway. The reach for our club is huge. And, you know, being in the Champions League is just going to expand it. The money is going to keep flowing in, hopefully, and as long as it's invested properly. If the sky is the limit, you know, it's it's incredible how big we, we could become. Look how big United are. There's no reason we can't become that big. Absolutely none at all. Gags, one of the players that um, divides opinion, Lucas Leiva. I want to I want to come on to him, and he's he's had a sort of he's had one of these seasons, hasn't he? Where, whereby um, he really doesn't he hasn't played great. Um, he hasn't looked very good when he has played. Um, he's missed out on the uh, on the Brazil squad, I think, for obvious reasons. I think Coutinho was ever so slightly more of a surprise, not because of his ability, but because of he's developing in a new position. Do we keep Lucas next year? Is he is he that quality backup? That that's people's argument at the time, or 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 do we go and uh, upgrade because we're going to be keeping Gerard? What do you think, Gags? It's a tough one because. What we shouldn't do is just do wholesale changes all over the place. You know that that's the thing. It's all going to be dependent on which positions are going to be targeted for upgrades. And obviously, the first thing is the fullbacks for me. They're they're the major parts that need to be um, improved upon. If we brought in an extra midfielder to help Gerard in in, the, in that in that role, maybe a defensive midfielder, that would be great. To to because 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 to be honest, the Coutinho, Allen. Henderson and Gerrard, three of them playing, because there's three spots. Four, three out of four. If we had another midfielder, it would be three out of three out of the five, and then Lucas to play maybe the domestic cup games. It could work. It could work. It's not. 
it's not a major thing for me to get rid of Lucas, just because apparently he's a good guy to have around as well. It's everything, you know, and he does give his all. And maybe if he plays a lot of games next season, he'll be decent. But not in, not I wouldn't, I wouldn't call him a first teamer. Do you know what I mean? He'd be de- just a squad player, definitely. Just but again, it's very expensive squad player, isn't he? So there, there's there's fours and there's pros and cons to him staying. But it would for me, it's all dependent on how many people are getting shipped out and. That's one thing we don't want to do is ship too many out. That will be the issue here because you know you need a squad. You need a squad. If you if you end up leave getting getting rid of three or four and bringing in six, you've only actually gone up by two people in the squad, which is going to be dangerous for us because that's really not what we want. If you end up if you end up getting rid of three or four, you really need to get you know eight or nine in, which is which is a lot of players. A lot of players are. I think you need six additions to the squad. I think, oh, good point, good point. Five low knees returning also. So, but but any any in midfield? Any in midfield? No, I don't think there are. No, I, I don't think Suso's going to cut it, to be honest. I really don't. And I'm, I mean, that's one of the players that might just, must go. Um, also, Cody? No, I just, I don't think so. Um, that's my opinion. That's my opinion. I, I think we it would be great to get another midfielder in another midfielder in but like I said those the midfields work really well with Coutinho Gerard and Henderson Allen Gerard and Henderson those midfields have 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 taken apart teams like Everton and Arsenal when they've been in form and just laid them to you know to, to wasted them absolutely wasted them so so th- if we could keep those four players fit it's a lot to ask obviously for a whole season with 50 games but yeah, we'd probably need one more. I, Dave's got some brilliant stats on on Lucas in, in, in appearances with Gerard. So that that's my worry, really, in terms of where you know can can he play with with the with the three in there? He can't. It's got to be either Lucas or Gerard for me. Yeah, I just wanted to bring Dave in on this. I think often in this podcast we we, we get slated for. Uh, being sort of Lucas bashers, and it's not because we don't like Lucas or we've got some sort of vendetta against the person. What what our kind of primary concern is is is, is particularly around the development in, in Liverpool Football Club going forward and actually being able to challenge for stuff. Um, I've not really got much time for hangers on, you know, in terms of they might be nice guys or whatever, but you know, you, you want people to be doing well. Um, so Dave's had a little kind of statistical look at Lucas and Liverpool throughout the season. So Dave, let us kind of hear your numbers. Okay, so basically the other day on Twitter I said that Lucas was having a massive negative effect on us when we played and, you know, two or three of the brainwashed came back and said, no, no, he's he, you know, he's a great guy, blah, blah, blah. First of all, I'd rather have a dressing room full of absolute arseholes to go and win things. Roy Keane's one of the biggest arseholes ever to play the game. He won things, Graham soon that's the same. Kenny, by all accounts, was an arsehole when he played, uh, and he won quite a lot. So, you know, being a nice guy is all well and good. Being a good dresser and presence is well and good. Reina was those things as well. We got rid of him. We haven't missed him. So, basically, I thought I'd look into, you know, the difference as and when Lucas played. Now, I was originally just going to do it on games Lucas started against games he didn't, but I decided to do games where he played 45 minutes or more. Uh, purely to count in the West Ham game, where he came on and and the change made a bit of you know made the difference and we won the game. So <clears> there's <throat> 38 games in the league season. Lucas played 45 minutes or more 21 times. In those 21 games, Liverpool won 12, lost six, 
through three, scored 43 goals and conceded 31 goals. In the 17 games where he played less than 45 minutes, Liverpool won 13, lost none, drew three, scored 57 and conceded 19. So, basically, when he plays 45 minutes or more, Liverpool take two point or Liverpool take 1.8 points per game. When he plays less than 45 minutes, Liverpool take 2.6 points per game. That's 0.8 of a difference. That's that's massive. 1.8 points a game over a season is 70 points. If Liverpool had finished with 70 points this season, they would have missed the Champions League. We score 1.4 goals a game more with him in the team, or more without him in the team, I should say. Uh, 3.4 without him, two goals a game with him. We concede more as well. This is the one that actually surprised me. We concede more with him in the team. Uh, 1.1 goals without him, 1.4 against with him. I could go into the tackling stats. I mean, look, the tackling stats are nonsense. They're completely irrelevant. Ground jewels is what you really want to be looking at. His win percentages is so poor, I won't, I won't even throw it out. Um, let me just say that when Lucas goes into a tackle, Liverpool win the ball back in the low, low 30s of percentile. And that's that's just not acceptable at all at, at this level. If, if he was on half the wages, I'd say, yeah, keep him and play him in the domestic cups and, you know, put him on the bench every so often. But he's not. He's on big money. And... I mean, you have to be fair to the guy as well. He does have a career here. And playing for Brazil, I mean, when he got injured, we, you know, we all remember when he got injured and people were worried that it was the ACL again and then it wasn't. So he put out a tweet and he put a hashtag, I think the dream's still alive. Playing for Brazil in the World Cup was the dream, unfortunately. And I do feel bad for him that he didn't get selected, but I mean, there was no way he was going to get selected based on merit. It would have just been, you know, a, a popularity thing. Coutinho, you could argue, but again, I don't think he was ever going to get selected. Scolari probably doesn't even know who he is at this point because he's just mental. But Lucas does want to play for Brazil, and he does want to play football. You can see clearly you know, he does love the fact that he's a professional football player. If he's playing five or six games, like realistically, as you said, Gex, we have three midfield positions. And we at the minute have five midfielders, including him, and he is very much the fifth one. If we buy anybody decent, he becomes the sixth one. And in, what, in a year, we'd be looking at Jordan Ross to join in the party as well. So there's just no future for him at the club. And, you know, I hear people say, oh, well, Rogers loves him. But Rogers loved Pepe Reina as well, and he's gone. And he loved Daniel Agra, and he got replaced by Sacco. So what Rogers says publicly and what really happens, they're probably two very, very different things. You know... It is just time for Lucas to move on, you know, go somewhere where the game will suit a bit more, maybe back to Brazil or, you know, to Italy where it's a slower pace and it's a little bit more kind of tactical in that. Because he's not, you know, he's, a, he's an intelligent enough player. So, you know, he, I think he'd do pretty well with, you know, like a Torino or a Genoa or some like a kind of mid-level Italian club. Um, but he just, he's too slow and he, he really just... Well, I mean, they've given you the stats. They're staggering. You know, we would have... I, I think we would have missed the Champions League had he played every game. I genuinely do. Because, you know, 
the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, Dave, j- just on the the point about Rogers Love and Lucas, I think Rogers, I think your points that have been vindicated there in the sense that as soon as Jordan Henderson was fit and available, he was straight back in the side and Lucas was straight out. I think one one person I want to have a little discussion about, and very, very briefly, because I think we'll all be unanimous on this, um, Iago Aspas, does he stay or go gags very, very quickly? Iago Aspas. Gone. That's gone. quickly gone. Did <laughs> <laughs> Dave um, Aspas keep him or, or get Barini back? Barini all day. Barini all day. It's not even close for me. Look, you have to feel sorry for Aspas, and he'll, he'll always go down as a Liverpool flop. But at the end of the day, he was never bought to start. He was never going to play a lot of games once Suarez stayed fit. Because you know he was pretty much bought to be uh, Suarez's back, and Suarez just plays every game and, and doesn't like to come off or anything like that. So you know I do feel bad for him. He, you know he's but he's still got a good reputation in Spain. So we'll get we'll get our six million back, I think. And um, we could maybe we're being linked with this Alberto Moreno, the left back from Sevilla. Maybe we could put him into that deal. I seem to remember Sevilla were interested in. Aspats last summer, so maybe there's something we can work out there. Um, but yeah, no, Aspas. There's four players I would like to see go: Johnson, Lucas, Jose Enrique, and Aspas. After that, I'd, I'd happily keep everybody else. As Gag said, you know we do need the squad. Even Victor Moses. Victor Moses is no longer a Liverpool player. His contract ended at midnight last night, so he gets fair point. Fair point. Jog on. Uh, while we're on the subject of low knees, though, I would like to see Ali kept. If he's not kept, I'm going to start a petition to retire the number 20 jersey uh, in memory of Ali's great service. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? He came on yesterday and he changed the game. He was, he was he's magnificent. He's, look, Ali, look. You can't not like the guy. He, you know, he loves being at the club. He plays with a big smile on his face. He gives everything. And he's he's actually quite good defensively. He is by far our best defensive fullback. He's just he's he's absolutely hopeless with the ball. The goal he scored was probably gonna hit the corner flag before it hit Shawcross in, in, in his uh, gentleman's region and deflected it. So that's his goal for the season. His assist I've I don't know if he was aiming for Suarez or if he was just kicking the ball as far as he could to get it away from him. But, you know, he got his goal and his assist. He, he provided some great comedy. At Phantom Goal on Twitter, Sai made a brilliant Ali Sissoko video. If you haven't seen it, get following Sai at Phantom Goal and ask him for a link to the video because you will absolutely wet yourself laughing. It's magnificent. Probably the best player highlight video I've ever seen. So we, we've, we've talked about outs, we've kind of got to talk about ends now. Gags, um, we've been linked a lot with Adam Lalana. I have to give credit to Ozzy on Twitter. Um, if you don't follow him, uh, you need to. Ozzy told me a little while back that um, he'd heard from, from, from someone connected to the, the Southampton club that uh, potentially Liverpool were interested, potentially it may be a done deal. Gags, you've had a little look at the numbers comparing him to to Raheem Sterling. Um, I'd just be interested on on your one, your thoughts, and two, what the stats have to say in terms of what Adam Lallana actually brings to Liverpool. I'm not trying to gazump anyone, but um, I'm hoping that this isn't the guy that Spoonie was talking about for 25 mil. 
I really do hope it's not 25 mil. Firstly, that's that's way too expensive for Lalana. Looking at the numbers, Lalana started 37 games a season, had one substitute appearance, so 3,100 minutes played to Sterling's 2,218. So, just wanted to say. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of difference in the time played between the two players. Sterling's obviously started 24 and substitute nine substitute appearances. Some of the interesting stats is around the creativity for me. Creativity and goals scored. They both scored nine goals, and I've just told you the minutes played. So massive difference. A lot more minutes played by Lalana. So scoring a goal every 344 minutes, and um, Sterling every 246 minutes. So Sterling obviously scoring a lot. More often, the other one for us is creativity. Lalana created the most chances for an English player in the league. Da, 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 da. 71, Sterling's 52, but remember, he's played much less minutes. So, Lalana has created a chance every 44 minutes to Sterling's 43. So, Sterling again creating a lot more frequently. The big one, and you know we love these numbers, are the clear-cut chances created. Lalana has created five clear-cut chances in 3,100 minutes, while little Raheem has created 11 in 2,218 minutes, meaning Raheem has created a clear-cut chance every 202 minutes to Lalana's 620. For me, the attacking, the output, what you want from a player like Lalana, and a free roll also, at, um, at at Southampton, not quite up to scratch with what Sterling is. If you're you're telling me that he's coming in as a first teamer, I don't think he's better than Sterling. I don't think he gets into the first team in that position. It's 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 a difficult one. Twenty five million on a player, you know that that we've already got a player that's better than him. It's it's just weird. It's really really weird. Maximum I'd pay for Lalana is sixteen million, and I'd be happy with that if we got him um, as a squad player. That's that's somebody you would you could play in the Premier League for us if Sterling's playing the Champions League game beforehand. Things like that, you know, that would be okay if they're alternating. That would be fine. But for twenty five mil to take the place of an eighteen a twenty six year old also, and the way we haven't even factored in wages yet. Um, against Sterling, an 18, 19-year-old, who's got better output, statistically. Um, and if you probably want to do um, pressing stats also, um, and, and as someone said to me, Lilana could come and play in the Allen row on the left. But you know what? You know what? If you were... I, I, I did some analysis on the pressing, and, and Allen's stats were something like um, a pressing action every two... 3.22 minutes. I don't think that there'd be a player that that's the best in our in our club, and we press a lot. So I don't think I don't think that's that's viable. You know, I don't think that's viable playing on the left uh, left in the of the three in midfield because you 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 lose so much of that hard work. Because even Coutinho, you know, works very very hard there. Probably not got the output that Lalana has um, creatively or uh, with goals, especially with shooting. But um, I think I think. We need to have strength in the midfield in terms of pressing and winning the ball back. And Allen and Henderson have that in abundance. Guys, you've hit the nail on the head. He's not coming and taking Raheem Sterling's spot. And he's not taking Coutinho's spot either. Um, Coutinho scored five goals this year and had seven assists. I think Lalana had nine goals and six assists, if I'm right. Uh, he created far less clear-cut chances than Coutinho. I think he created one more chance overall. 
but played like a, a lot more minutes. I think like five hundred more minutes or something like that. So you know, and it, I'll let you know. I'll let you know in a sec. Is that Coutinho? This you're is saying? the thing. He, yeah, Coutinho. Yeah. People say, "Oh, Lallana could play this position, or he could play that." No, he can't because he's played them before. He 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 was in the Premier League last year, so he has been seen before, and he played in a diamond at times last year. They had Schneidel and Deepest, Davis and Lallana in the the engine of it, and Gaston Ramirez at the the ten role. And he was terrible. He was absolutely awful. He was getting hauled off regularly last season because he was he was so bad and so in so many games. And this is what gets me. All the people who want Lana now, none of them wanted him last summer. Nobody would have paid more than five million for him last summer. And anyone who says they would is a liar because he was terrible last season. He's had one good season. And we've been here before with players who've had one good season. There's been a lot in England. Gags has just given me the stats. Lalana's created 72 chances. That's one every 44 minutes. Coutinho's 65 chances, one every 36 minutes. Coutinho has created 13 clear-cut chances, the second best in the league, one every 180 against Lalana's five, which isn't even in the top 10. Um, now, bear in mind, Coutinho plays a lot deeper and has a lot more defensive responsibility because he's got to cover the full-back and help Gerrard out. Lalana has no defensive responsibilities when he plays for Southampton because they sit Wanyama and Schneiderlin behind him and he has totally free role. And I hear you know people say, oh, he presses well and he gets all these regains. It's because he has no defensive responsibility, so he can just press aimlessly, he can just chase the ball. It's not, you know, he's not some pressing machine, he's not Joe Allen or Henderson. Um, he, you know, he, he works hard in their final third. But he doesn't do a whole lot. He doesn't chase back a lot. I, I just look. If he was ten million or twelve million, fine. That would be fine. But he's not. He's going to cost twenty to twenty-five million, and he's he's just not worth close to it. He really isn't. There's the minutes per possession one for Lalana, sixteen wins possession back every sixteen minutes. Coutinho wins possession back every fifteen minutes. And I guarantee you more Coutinho's are in key areas, defensive third, middle third, rather than just final third regains. So for me, he's not worth the money. He, his best role is a position that doesn't exist in our system, um, which is with two defensive midfielders behind him. He doesn't, doesn't strike me as a great wing player. Never been impressed when I see him wide. Uh, I think he's a match-of-the-day player. I think a lot of people based their view on him on match-of-the-day. I've watched a lot of Southampton this year because of Wanyama. And I think he gets... He's, I think he's overrated. He's overhyped. He's certainly overpriced. He reminds me a lot of Louis Garcia in you know, his style, the two-footed nature. He flares to deceive a bit, scores some good goals, You know, can create something, but there's no, there's no big potential in him. He's 26 years of age. You don't become a top player at 26. You just, you know, you are, you aren't, and he's not. This this transfer, it just, it, it's, it's got to be Rodgers driving it. I can't see that the committee would be looking to, to put their reputations on the line. Um, for me, it's Rodgers, and, you know, fair enough if that's what he wants, but 
I don't see. I, he, he might start the season as first choice, but Coutinho and, and Sterling are better players now. Coutinho is five years younger. Sterling is seven years younger. And he, he doesn't offer anything that they don't offer. You know, he does some nice Cruyff turns and stuff. And that's all well and good. But the, the actual, the numbers aren't there. The actual real numbers, they're not there. Uh, and people say, oh, he'll do better with better players around him. That's not necessarily the case. He'll get less of the ball. He'll have less chances. And we can't tell how his mentality is going to be. You know, he looks a confident lad, but Ashley Young was the most arrogant player I've ever seen when he was at Villa. And he flopped at United when he went and he wasn't the big fish in the small pond anymore. Lamb has been at Southampton since he was like 12. So, you know, he, he very much may have big fish in a small pond mentality. And that's hard to shake. If he comes, you know, fair enough. As long as, as long as it doesn't cost us the opportunity to go out and buy the players we actually need defenders, those those people who play in front of the goalkeeper and stop the opposition from scoring. Um, people may have forgotten what they are because we haven't really had any this season as our defence has been a shambles and cost us the league. But um, we need defenders. We need a defensive midfielder. These things people have been talking about for a long time. And if he costs £25 million and that's a big chunk of our budget, then I, I just think it's a mistake. So I had a, I've got a couple of things wrong with Lallana um, that, that for me are on a more basic level than than just in terms of what the numbers say in terms of the, the kind of tactical input that you have in the team. Very very basic. Number one, what's cost Liverpool the league? So I'm looking at a player to come in and improve Liverpool to give us a chance of the league, but also to give us depth in the squad. So at a depth level, does Lallana? Um, add something I think potentially yes he does at a depth level but then again that means you don't pay 25 million pounds for him it doesn't even mean that you necessarily pay 60 million pounds for him I think even that's too high for potentially what would be as as the guys have just eloquently described a squad player because actually we've got better players as well if you look at our competition this season we scored um, 101 goals um, City scored 102 goals. But if you look at Manchester City, they have a slightly ageing attack. You know, Jesus Navas, uh, 28. Alvaro Negredo, 28. Eden Zeko, 28. Uh, Aguero is probably the only one, 25, who's probably about to start peaking. Um, and that's frightening, given how good he is at the minute. Um, Yaya Torre's 30. Um, and, you know, he, he's even a, a more defensive player, but he does come up with... Um, they push him forward. Um, they 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 come up with uh, kind of massive goals for the club. And you think of the net cost of these players as well. The 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 players who um who have actually come in and done so much. You know, they paid what was it thirty odd million pounds, forty odd million pounds for for Fernandinho, who's twenty nine. They may well be the best in the league at the minute, but it's an aging team. And now they've been hit. Um, I think we'll hear later on, but um, they've been hit by a fifty million pound fine from UEFA, which you might think is nothing compared to, uh, you know, the money that they have. But £50 million in a Champions League squad reduction, it means they can't go out and replace at the same level. So I'm looking at our attack. I'm looking at Daniel Sturridge, who's, what, 24, 23? Um, You're looking at Coutinho, um, who, again, is uh, 21. You're looking at um, Luis Suarez, 27, at the peak of his powers. Um, and you're looking at, um, you know, Raheem Sterling, who's 19, 19 years of age. Um, all of these players, all of these players, I think are going to add something. Now, 
why do you then need to then invest money in an attacking player? We've lost the league this year because, frankly, um, one, we, we haven't won enough games, but also um, we've not um, we, we've conceded goals, 13 more goals than, than, than Manchester City, than the current league champions. Um, and 11 goals conceded in the last six. So for me, we need to invest our money defensively. And whilst you can improve your attack, whilst you can go out and definitely add someone like a Konoplyanka or add someone, you know, e- even someone who's going to add, add in that depth and maybe give us that extra edge that we sometimes need to creep over the line. Um, so to keep our attack fresh. But don't go spending crazy money on people like Adam Lallana, who frankly, as the boys have just demonstrated, doesn't add anything in terms of what they've done. Um, you know, we've also got like Berini coming back, these types of things. I just think that with this, with this, the style of play that we play, with with the way in which we could um, utilise a player like Lallana, no doubt we could use him, but for 25 million quid, sorry, he's not for me. So we're going to come on to um, something else very, very quickly. Um, there was a couple of listeners' questions. Oh, sorry, Dave wanted to make a quick point on uh, everything that we've done. Just on the defence, John, um, you're, you're totally right. It's the defence that costs us the title. And I don't know if you remember, we did a podcast a few months back with Jay Riley on, and I went through the numbers of the teams who had won the league and how the defence their defence is compared to ours. And I think at the time we had like the joint 11th best defence. I think we ended up with like the 8th or ninth best. No team with a defence like that is going to win the league. It, it doesn't matter. You know, we, we 101 goals is, is incredible. The defence costs the league. It's what needs to be addressed. I would rather take the 25 million by a world-class centre-back like Mede Benetia from from Roma and just play Suso. If all Lallana is going to be is a backup player for Sterling when he needs a rest or when Rodgers wants to play one up front, just play Suso. He's, he's more creative. He's ours. We already have him. We don't need to pay money. Now, there's rumours that there's attitude issues. He's got a big ego and stuff like that. I don't care. Save the 25 million, play him, bring Barini in for depth. Jordan Ive is coming back. Jerome Sinclair can play some games. Go and get someone like a Diego Melito to add a bit of depth up front. He'll be on a free transfer. Go and get someone like him. You know, shop around. Cone Planky, you mentioned 10 million. Roberto Firmino's going for about 15, 16 million. These are better. You know, Firmino and Cone Planky are better players than Milano. You can probably get both of them for the price that he's going to cost. But I'd rather just play. I'd rather just have Sousa and just just go and throw that twenty five million in the centre back, a proper top class centre back, because that's what we need. It's we don't need attackers. I don't care about Champions League, to be honest. If we get knocked out of the group stages, I don't really care. I care about getting back in the following year and the following year and the following year and building the club up and up and up. I, I don't, you know, we're not going to win the Champions League this next year unless. We go on a mental run like Atletico Madrid have this season. Can we do that and win and you know keep top four in the Premier League? That'd be a bit of a test. We can do it if we have a great defence. We can't do it if our defence is a shambles again. Yeah, I was going to come on and, and do some listeners' questions, but actually, I think maybe we, we should talk about what should we expect from next season. Given your point there, Dave, I mean that, that this is going to be. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how uh, 
Rodgers deals with rotation because it's something that he's not really done before. Gags, I mean, from your point of view, next year, what is the bare minimum, given the, the run that we've been on this year and given the level of expectation, what is the bare minimum in all competitions that Rodgers can get away with? Oh, God, man, this is so tough. Um, it would be very, very, very cheeky to ask for a league win now, I think. But you know what? <laughs> it all depends on who we buy, man, this summer. It does. It's a, it's a bit early to to answer this question without having, without knowing, you know, who's 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 coming into the squad. I think you definitely want to consolidate a Champions League spot next year. So uh, again because we've got we're going to have 50 games. It's all dependent on that. It's all dependent on who we buy. It's all dependent on that, I think. This squad on it as it is now um will struggle. We'll struggle with the extra competition, definitely. So it's uh, for me, it's all dependent on um uh, on who comes in, and and the bare minimum, like you said, a good run in the Champions League, and um, you know, top three again, top top three again in the league. That's what I would say. I just think it's it's very difficult to to go at that next step next year with the Champions League unless we really pull out some brilliant signings, and and that's not a twenty five million under Lana. You know what I mean? That's not that's not what we do. That's not what we do. This is an interesting point because, see, I'm I'm totally going to disagree with you here, Gags. I think we need a a sort of valiant attempt at the Champions League. And when I mean valiant attempt, I mean don't, you know, we're not talking about kind of semi-finals or finals, but we're talking about actually, you know, um, just maybe getting out of the group stage. So you're you're agreeing with me then because I said a good run? No, no, but yeah, yeah. What's What's a good run? An exceptional run is a semi-final. A good run is, you know, getting out the group stage. Let me finish my point, you know. So I'm agreeing with you there, but I'm going to disagree with you on the league. Because now we've come second. Now we've come to the last day of the season. Are you seriously telling me that if we then go into a kind of third and it's finished, you know, by the last couple of weeks or whatever with the Champions League, do you think that kind of fans are going to be happy? Because I think people want the same again. I actually think of course they do of course they do but be realistic and have a look at it depends on who you buy I'm talking about with the squad right now you can't but I'm talking about fans expectations so so Rodgers now has to go away and set out targets and from that they've they've already done that for next season now they'll already have their targets who they want Um, they'll they'll have their their kind of their player targets and they'll have their kind of season ending targets these guys are going to be talking about winning the title next season. Make no mistake about it. Rodgers keeps on talking about being ahead of schedule. The, the, the next thing that you can do is compete on that level and be ahead of schedule. And, and, and that's from my point of view. I think... I, I worry. I worry because you heap much more pressure on the boys. But, but that's the thing. That, that This is the thing. Do we need to know at this point? Because I don't think if we then go back, you know, if we then go back and say... Um, you know, we or we finish third or whatever, you get back into that kind of cycle that we were in under Benitez or nearly it close so far. I think fans are at the point now where they want more. They want the league. I think fans you, are going... You, you will be kidding yourself if you the, didn't... If you don't agree that not being in Europe this year didn't help us. Of course it did. Of course it did. Of, of course, course it did. It did. So next year is going to be different. We, we did totally different. Players. Absolutely. And we did it with 14 players. And I agree with what you said. It depends on who we sign. That's not Adam Lallana. I completely agree with what you're saying there. But what I'm disagreeing with is that I don't think next year... 
if we finish third, I think people are going to be looking at Brendan Rodgers and saying, and unless he wins the European Cup, which I just can't see happening. Now, I was completely wrong about this season. <laughs> in seven. So, it's too what? hard to predict, mate. It's it, hard. It, it, it is hard to predict, but unless he does that, unless he gets us to a bloody Champions League final or something else like that, and he comes third or fourth, I think people will be pissed off. I, I'd, I'd be really interested. Guys, tweet us in. Tell us what you think is an acceptable thing. Dave, I'd love your opinion on this. I agree with you, Gags. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> I, agree with Gags the, I agree with Gags on the Champions League part. A good run would be nice. But for me, if we can go on... if Because we, we're, we're probably going to get a tough group. I mean... Yeah, we will. We'll be in pot yeah. three. We'll be in pot three, so, right? Yeah, but as, as long as we compete in the group, as long as we show we can compete with Europe's elite. I don't mind if we go out in the group stage. If we finish third and go out on goal difference or by a point or something, it'll be hard to take, but you know, it won't be it won't be the worst thing in the world. But I agree totally with John. I totally agree with John about the league. Because while finishing fourth would be acceptable, wouldn't be a disaster, same if we finish third. You then fall into the mentality that Arsenal have where that becomes what you aim for every year. We need to challenge for the title next year. Even if we finish 10 points short, if we're challenging in April, I, I just think we have to. And because I think people will get pissed off. Our fans aren't like Arsenal's fans. They will get pissed off because this is now what they'll expect. You know, football fans tend to have short-term memories. So they'll remember this season, not necessarily the four that came before it. Um, so, yeah, I, for me, if, if you ask me now, I'd take third or fourth, a decent run of the Champions League and a decent run of the Cups. I genuinely would. But you risk stagnating then. You also risk... I mean, how many more years are we going to have of Stephen Gerrard? When he was talking to Carragher after the game, he did specifically say he could play next year. He didn't say a few more years, he said next year. So, you know, you, you don't want him to go out in a damp squib finishing fourth. You don't want to keep finishing, you know, Suarez wants to win things. We need to make sure that we're at least competing because we need to keep him happy. If we lose him, we're pretty much screwed. Um, so I just think we need to make it at least at least a challenge. Although we are way ahead of schedule, I just think, you know, even if it's not as close as this year, we still need to be in the mix. We will be in the mix. We will be in the mix. I think that I think that's clear. We will go for it. I'm just saying it's just gonna be so much more so many more games, so much more pressure, the expectancy also. Um the the one thing is why do you think the fans were so upset? this year because a lot of people said this year was was the best chance the best chance to win it just because of you know how it all fell in for us it was the best chance to win it. and that's why I think it was even more there was even more depression after that Chelsea loss you know this was the one amazing chance with all the other teams being weaker as well as in not fulfilling their potential sorry not weaker they're all stronger much stronger than us um, United being a champions, a championship-winning squad. Uh, sorry, a Premier League championship, <laughs> uh, a Premier League-winning squad, and then drop into seventh, um, underperforming with a crap manager, and then 
And then Chelsea not performing, City having some injuries, not performing also, um, Arsenal dropping off. That was the best chance for us. And that's where, you know, we, we, we can't, that's why we're, I think there was that depression because it, everybody accepted that this is the one. So one year, so next year will be tougher and all those teams will be trying to do what we're trying to do in terms of improving and improving the squad. I mean, Diego Costa to, to Chelsea, fucking hell, that improves them to no, no end. No end up top where they've been absolutely rubbish. And now they're going to add that. Yes, there's a Suarez factor. And probably the first 18 months, he'll probably miss 10 to 12 games with a ban. But <laughs> but still, they'll have him for three quarters of the season, most likely. And gags. And gags. Sorry to cut you off, but, but that's the point I'm trying to make. Is that whilst all these teams will improve, City, yes. you know, City are getting older and, and they have little room now. Because of these, you know, oh, 50, yes. million, oh, right? yes. 50 million is a drop in the fucking ocean to them. They'll pay that. But if they do this again and they fuck about again, then they're in real, real trouble this time in terms of sanctions. So so these sanctions are kind of escalating. I think that the, 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 the problem is about people improving is just kind of crazy in, in, in terms of the sense of what we did this season. I agree with you. Some people did think that this was maybe our chance. And we talked about this last week. But I think a lot more people felt that it was 24, you know, 24 years since we last won a title. 24 years since we last... And, and, and that's a hunger because that expectation at Liverpool never dies. It's a, it's a, it's a strange club, Liverpool, in that sense, is, is that even though, you know, for the best part of 24 years, we've been pretty mediocre yes. in terms of the, you know, the, the kind of Uniteds of this world or the Chelsea's or the Arsenal's, you know, or, or the, the, those great sides... Um, the Invincibles and all that type of stuff. Um, Ancelotti's wonderful side. Um, Mourinho's initial side. Th- th- those teams that have done so well at the expense of Liverpool, um, w- w- I don't think our fans um, w- w- will accept that. And-, and I think that from that point of view, whilst these teams are improving, our target has got to be to say, do you know what? Next year we have to try and win it. And, and of course we will try and win it. But I think how Rodgers will be judged and how fans will, will look at him. You saw it in the pub yesterday. You can see it in and around Liverpool. People chant for Brendan Rodgers. People love Brendan Rodgers. Um, it's great. It'll be it's interesting great. if he finishes third and we're out of the title race by the, 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 the third to fourth week of the or of the of, of the kind of run in. Um if people are still saying that name. Because I honestly think people will then say, you know, and I'm not not I'm not criticizing Rodgers. I love him for what he's doing. But I think if he doesn't you know, challenge again next season for the title, I think questions will be asked. I I have three points, John. One is to follow on from what you've just finished saying there. If Rafa Benitez hadn't won the Champions League in Istanbul, there's absolutely no chance he would have lasted as long as he did. No real title challenges. 08-09, fair enough. But, you know, it didn't come down to the last game or two. It was over kind of in, in April. Rodgers needs to win a major trophy to get himself four or five more years. Benitez walked in, won the Champions League and earned himself, you know, those next seasons, even when we were just kind of, you know, finishing third. It was, it was almost mundane. Oh, yeah, we'll get the Champions League, we'll get to the quarterfinals, we'll get knocked out and then blah, blah, blah. The other point I had was on Chelsea. They're quite old as well. I mean, they're probably older than City going through a check as old. Ivanovic is 30, Cahill must be 28, 29, Terry's about 47. 
Lampard is old, Mikel is getting up there, you know, Lamp, um, Etu, Torres, blah, blah, blah. They're bringing in Diego Costa. That address is one area of need for them. This guy has been the second best player in the Liga this year after Ronaldo. <laughs> there's, a, there's a guy called Messi who plays in that league as well, who's pretty good, and Costa has outperformed him. And Messi's had injuries, so Costa's not a better player, but he has outperformed him this year. He has played brilliantly in the Champions League. He is probably going to start for Spain in the World Cup. They're getting him for 32 million. We're looking to pay probably 25 million for Adam Lallana. Um, if you're going to tell me that there's only a 7 million differential there, I think it's insanity. Uh, it makes no sense. I, I agree with John in that I think we can challenge next season because I don't think this was our best chance. I genuinely don't. I think I think we're well ahead of schedule in terms of where what Rogers wants us to be. I think this year the plan was to challenge for top four, hopefully snag fourth, and then next year sort of begin building towards a title challenge. He's probably two years ahead of where he wants to be. I think that will push the owners as well because, you know, they know the Champions League is, is where the money is. And they know that the best thing for them in terms of growing the bar brand is to be able to advertise the champions of England or the champions of Europe. Nobody wants to sponsor the team that finished fourth, made the FA Cup semi-finals or any of that kind of stuff. You know, these big sponsors want to have their names attached to you know, the champions, if you look at, you can look through any sport, look at the Miami Heat, the massive sponsorship deals because they're the world champions. Same with the Boston Red Sox. You know, when the New England Patriots were winning Super Bowls, they were getting the same things. United grew their brand because they were the champions. It wasn't because they were Manchester United. If they had been finishing fourth every year, they would not be the size they are. They grew because they won. I think FSG know that. I think they'll back Rogers this summer. Rogers needs to get it right. I don't think this is our best chance at all. Don't even think it's close to our best chance at all, to be honest. John's mentioned the issues City have. As much as Costa does improve Chelsea, there's there's the Mourinho factor to consider here. And you know, people will say that we choked. Chelsea choked far more than us. They could have won the title. They lost to Sunderland, drew with Norwich, both at home. They lost away to Palace. They lost away to Aston Villa. They choked. We didn't choke. We, we, you know, we may have thrown away a little bit, but we didn't choke. Chelsea choked. There's something different about Mourinho. He seems to have lost the touch that he had before. The time at Real probably didn't help him. But I don't, I don't know how good they'll be next year. I think they need quite a bit of work as well. Ashley Cole is probably going to leave. Terry, I can't see him keeping up the same level next year. Need a striker, blah, 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 blah. Hazard might walk out on them. So, you know, I, I don't buy this. It was our best chance. I really do think we can challenge again next season. The City, you're going to have to be careful. Arsenal just don't have any ambition, you know. While I'm on the topic of Arsenal, I will move on to the bell end of the week. Very quickly, I'll just run through. I've only got top three. Number one is Bullsy on Twitter. 
trying to tell me that uh, finishing fourth and being in the FA Cup final is a better season than title challenge. No, it's not. You're Belland. Uh, number two, Pierce Morgan promised to quit Twitter if we finished above Arsenal. Also had a bet for, I think, a grand with some some guy. Um, is now claiming they're all fakes. They're not fakes. You're just a Belland. And uh, number one, Manchester United fans fly your little planes. You're pathetic. You finished out your season playing off a draw in mid-table, 7th versus 8th. That's your new level. Get used to it. You're all bellends. Players are bellends. Managers are bellend. You don't even have a manager yet, but the one you're getting is a bellend. You're owned by bellends. Manchester United, the bellends of the week. Back <laughs> to you, John. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Um... Man, that, 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 I tell you what, I wasn't expecting that as well end of the week, but uh, Manchester United fans, if you're listening, happy days. Dave just kind of told you what you needed to know. Just just one last thing. We're, we're, we're going to try and wrap this up now, but I, I just think maybe um, a quick summary of, of this season um, from the boys, you know. So, so Gags, if we could maybe just have a minute from you on, on your overall reflection of this season and uh, what you're going to take away from it so far. What I'll take from it is that we've got our club back. It feels like a new dawn. It feels um, like the manager's just, you know, he's, he's, he's redeveloped the side. And, and a lot of the players are, are young guys that he's, he's giving new positions to. You know, Sterling, the way he's changing. Or he's, he's been able to play in different positions. Um, Coutinho playing in a new position as well in, in, in the majority of those games that we were went on a great run. In that great run, also Skirtle was playing really well. So someone who wasn't playing very well at the start of the season played absolutely was was decent. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't do that with Johnson. But hey ho, Flanagan was another one that came in. One of those players that's part of the squad. You know, not world class, won't get into like you know the top other teams, but comes in does an absolutely brilliant job. Cult following, um, you know, and then and then also, it's a breakout season for Suarez. Because he he didn't score thirty he hasn't scored thirty goals in the Premier League before he's he continued to be as creative. Sturridge got twenty goals in the league. So many things, so many players doing so much better than before. It's it's a breakout year for for Liverpool Football Club for the players, and long may that continue. And that's what I take from it is that it's just the start. It's just the start. I do hope that we can um, challenge again next year. It's, I, I personally believe with, with the extra games, it's dependent on who we bring in. It's got to be right. We've got to get it right. It's fence-sitting, but that's how I, that's how I feel. But yeah, it, it's, it's the beginning. And the next few steps are very, very important. Very, very important. And I want to have a rant now, but we'll save that for the end, maybe. Uh, and, and Dave, you, your reflection on, on the season overall. Can I change the winner of the Bell End of the Week award to the, to the League Managers Association for voting Tony Pulis as Manager of the Year over Brendan Rodgers? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Can, I, can absolutely. I do that at this point? Fuck me, I can't believe it. What a bunch of Bell Ends. Rodgers is the Manager of the Year. He doesn't need the award. Look, David Moyes has won the award three times. That award means nothing. Wenger only won it once in his entire career in England, and he had to go unbeaten to do that. I don't think Mourinho ever won it. What I'll take from this season is that football is fun again. It, it, it just is. Football hasn't been, like, what following Liverpool hasn't been fun. Watching us every week hasn't been fun. 
as many great nights as there was under Rafa and Julier. Those teams weren't as fun as this one. There wasn't the promise, the, the, the sheer natural talent that is in this group. And, and I include Brendan Rodgers in that because, you know, he is, for me, he is like Raheem Sterling as a manager. He's so young, he's got so much ability, and he's just going to grow and grow and grow. We're going to get to watch it. That'll be fun, watching Raheem Sterling develop into potentially a, you know, a star. That's going to be fun. Luis Suarez and Daniel Sturridge, the best partnership the Premiership has, has seen in, in a 38-game season. They're going to be fun. You know, this Jordan Henderson just doesn't know how to stop running. He doesn't even own a car. just runs everywhere. There's, it's It's been fun. It has, bar that fellow who plays right back, I'll even include Lucas. Lucas has been fun this year because there's just been a few moments. Like when he wandered offside a couple of times, I mean, that's fun. You know, it's funny to see, like, what's he doing there? He doesn't, he looks confused. Like, he's never been flagged offside in his life, that kind of stuff. The banter we had on Twitter, you know, destroying Chelsea, or Everton, destroying Arsenal, destroying Spurs twice, you know, going toe-to-toe with City twice coming out on top with that goal at Anfield by Coutinho, you know, just so many incredible moments. And of course, Ali Sissoko, what a guy. Let's retire that number 20 shirt. I want that trending soon. It's it's just fun. That's that's the only thing I can think of to summarise it. It's fun again. And it, it certainly wasn't, you know, for the last four years under the Hodge and Rafa's last year etc etc oh i've wrongly i appear to have wrongly uh, deemed the league managers association as bellens it's the barclays premier league who are bellens and have voted tony pubis as manager of the year i don't know if that award is important or not so you know folks i'm really <laughs> who cares rogers is the best manager in the country this year the only one that that can even be in for it is pellegrini because he won the title Gus Poyet's done a great job as well. Pulis has done brilliantly, you know, don't take it away from him. But at the end of the day, the man doesn't own any clothes that don't come from a club shop. Do you know, I have an good authority that when he was out of work there for three or four months, he was just walking, walking around naked because he doesn't own any other clothes. So, you know, who cares about Tony Pulis? Brendan Rodgers has made Liverpool fun again. And, you know, that just sums up the year for me. And, and just to echo exactly what uh, Gags and, and Dave have said there is, you know, for me, the, the, this season, um, I feel like I've had my club back. Um, it's been quite emotional as a, a kind of, I don't know, just, just someone who loves football, just someone who loves Liverpool Football Club. Um, I've supported them all my life ever since I can remember. I don't ever remember choosing the club either. I just remember always supporting Liverpool. And, and for me, it was fantastic, really fantastic, just to kind of see us kind of do great things again. I think the Arsenal result will always live long in my memory. The the Everton one was brilliant and we did that podcast afterwards with the get the fuck in introduction which seems to have become famous now. Um, so many people turned around to me yesterday and said get the fuck in. The other thing for me is that as this season is the first season I can I can really remember feeling totally devastated but totally happy uh, at the same time. It's, it's the strangest feeling, I think, in terms of football's ever given me. I've, all, I've either felt gutted, probably, you know, Athens, 
and and, and feeling like we maybe should have of beaten a kind of inferior Milan at that point. I suppose for me that the, the the key thing though the key thing is that I feel like I've got genuine hope again. Um, in two thousand eight and nine, I didn't feel really at the end of the season. I had um, hope um, after that point because of everything that was going on. That the kind of warning signs were there at the club, and and actually this season, I, I feel like we've got a proper dawn, and not a false dawn, but a golden dawn, and and that's what I will take away from this season. It's been absolutely brilliant. Um, and Brendan Rodgers, you have done an incredible job. Just to come on to Dave, Dave, I think you've got a, a, a quick thing just before we, we wrap up and then Gags has got something as well. Yeah, just the other one thing I wanted to say was this season has basically brought us this podcast. If we were a sack of shit, I don't, I don't think we'd be doing this podcast every week if, you know, if we were finishing seventh again, like we were the last few years. And um, like I, I know I can be a bit blunt and a bit hard to talk to sometimes and I just say what I feel and that's just the end of it you know but when I'm right I'm right and when I'm wrong I mean it's only ever happened twice and the second time I was wrong I've been wrong the first time but you know this podcast is great for me it's a chance to talk to, to you boys and the rest and kind of put my thoughts out there in a better medium because I struggle to sit and write a lot of the time and just I don't have the time I just can't be arsed really and Twitter isn't really a great medium for getting your thoughts across so you know it does mean a lot when people come and tweet me and say you know the pod is great and you know keep doing it blah blah blah. it's it's great so thanks everybody who listens and you know we'll we'll have loads for you in the summer and next season and and, you know we're hoping this is just the beginning for us so thanks everybody who listens and we hope we've we've kind of improved your liverpool watching experience with our analysis and stuff and it's been great for me getting to chat to John and Gags every week and the different lads that we've had on, including uh, John's humping buddy, Ryan McTrippy. The poor <laughs> lad. The poor lad. He's probably never experienced that in his life. But, no, at you all. Know, it, it's, uh, it, it's been cool. It's, it's, it's really good. My, you know, I'm sitting in Cambodia doing a podcast with one chap in Wales, another chap in Wolverhampton about a club in Liverpool. You know, it's, it's just... Kind of when you when you think about it like that, it's a little bit mental. But um, yeah, so thanks, and I know I can be a bit of an arsehole at times, but you're just going to have to deal with me because I'm not going to change anytime soon. Yeah, just to echo that, Dave, we we absolutely love doing this, and do you know what I think if it was, if we were seventh, we would we'd still be here because let, let's not forget we decided to do this. Um, Through thick and thin. Yeah, but the thing is, imagine how angry I would be. (laughs) I think Dave's speaking for himself. (laughs) John John would do the intro. Gags would do like 30 seconds of stats. I'd cut them off. And then it'd be an hour of just me ranting about Lucas (laughs) and Johnson and And let's be honest, not even I'd listen back to that. So we wouldn't have any listeners, you know? So there'd be no point in it. It'd just be us three talking. To be fair, when we fucked up, say like in the January transfer window, your your January rant, or sorry, your it was February, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, your your rant early February was, uh, I think, widely people absolutely loved that, and uh, you know, um, let let's hope there's less rants next year and more sort of kind of just just enjoying ourselves and uh, and, and watch out Ryan Mitchell because I'm after you. I enjoyed that yesterday. So, uh, Gags, you had a point before we wrap up. Yeah, I just got a couple of shout-outs that a few people asked for. Chris Healing, Legohead33, shout-out to you, mate. Trevsky that we met 
uh, Trevsky underscore LFC that we met yesterday at the Harry. Really nice guy. Ben Wilson was lovely. Came over and chatted to me about the pod. I didn't know who he was and he came over and that was brilliant. Thank you. Scouser Les, always supportive. Thank you. Um, Hurry, Hurry Seti. I call you Harry. Sorry, it's Hurry. Hurry Putter, like Harry Potter. Hurry Putter in Indian. Also, to the day trippers for getting us all together yesterday. Thank you very much, guys. Um, Phil and Trev. Trev was a little bit angry yesterday, but hope you feel better, mate. We had a great time. Everybody from AI, the writers, we all had a great time. Pleasure meeting you all, and uh, thank you very much. It was it was top stuff. Okay, so guys, it's been a great season. Uh, I just want to say thank you to each and every one of you. So um, we're, we're going to be doing this over the summer. We've got some great stuff lined up for you, and, and a, a truly unusual and great show next week, so make sure you tune in. That's it from us. It's the Anfield Index podcast in Liverpool are fucking brilliant. Goodbye.